Well, well, well. Hello. Who's a smug bunt with a new cookbook well, out? Who's a smug bunt with a bestseller? <laughs> Sales has arrived at my house, you know, hot on the heels of her, you know, sell-out tour. People are roaming the streets in search of <laughs> copies of her book. Uh, this is just – it's actually galling to tell you the truth because, like, you have completely smashed all sales targets with your sales – it's been book. People have been so incredibly lovely, um, and lots of met lots of lovely chatters at events. I've been travelling for the past two weeks all around the country. Your mum and dad came yeah. to my Adelaide event. I told them to them. razz you a bit. I'm not sure if that <laughs> that happened. It um, was I spotted them sort of halfway through my talk. It was nice. I was very worried about you on this book tour. I must say, um, of course, as I'm sure all of you are clutching a copy of Sales's book any ordinary day right now. Um, you'll be familiar with the subject area. It's a very personal book. Um, I was really worried about you. You sort of went from not really talking about all this stuff to just talking about it yeah. on the stage in a day in, day out. Was I, I worried that you were going to crumple under the uh, emotional actually, pressure? Uh, do you know what? Funnily enough, the more I talked about it, the easier. It sort of likes to get a bit desensitised. But I did also realise that some days would be easier than others. Like it just comes yeah. and goes. So I had to be prepared that just because I'd been all right one day didn't mean I'd be fine the next. Yeah. The other thing that was fantastic was that um, – I was really worried at the signings that people might come up and sort of blindside me by saying, oh, this horrible thing happened yeah. to me. We're at Crab's house, so we've got the we, yeah. Hello. aircraft noise. Yeah, hello. interruption. Also, but, uh, just to be warned, Sales has just mentioned to me that at some point during this podcast, uh, Shane Warne might ring her. <laughs> in which case, she has to go and build rapport with him because they're having, I'm a, interviewing they're him. having a, an encounter tomorrow and we're night. Going, we're going to stop rolling when we uh, are. Warnie My rings me. My eyes are going to start rolling though <laughs> as you pretend to be interested in cricket. Hi, Shane. <laughs> uh, no, but people actually didn't do that to me. It, and it's not like that I'm not, I don't care about hearing things like that. It's just that when you're meeting hundreds of people, hundreds of people, telling you about horrible things that happened yeah, would have been awful. just want to start crying yeah. again. Totally. Yeah. But um, you know what, I'm just so I'm absolutely sick of talking about myself and my book. I would really much <laughs> prefer to talk about your book. If you want to buy my book, go and have a look on Booktopia um, or go to your local independent bookstore, Any Ordinary Day it's called. Now, your book. My book. Special guest. So, okay, what I want to know firstly, what's the difference between special – oh, here it is. I can have here a little – Sorry, subject. I should have – What's the one difference too. between special delivery and special guest I in terms of the Special delivery is the book that I wrote um, a few years back with my uh, best mate from growing up on the Adelaide Plains, Wendy Sharp, cook of genius, lovely person, currently living in London. Uh, and that was all about food that you can take to your friends' houses. You know, mm -hmm. it's always nice to bring a plate, how to – sensitively take food to people who are happy or sad or, um, you know, uh, knocked up or just had a baby or whatever. Um, and this book, Special Guest, is about entertaining people in your own home. Now, uh, as you know, Sales, I'm a ferociously messy person. So, like, I reckon my number one bar from inviting people around, like, for dinner or whatever is just like, oh, geez, I have to clean off the, kit the dining room table because right. look at my dining room table. Yep. That's under a giant uh, pile I'm going to take a photo of that later to and, post. <laughs> uh, kids' stuff and things that I'm really meaning to put away but haven't yet. Like, I'm a shocker and um, I just can't bear the work involved. But I love having people over and I find that, if people are just around at my house because they're like picking up children or dropping off children or picking up something or other or whatever, then I really like to just 
say, well, why don't you stick around? Like, just I'll just cook something, you know. And th- then there's no pressure. Nobody's really uh, expecting a big right. three-course wingding. There's kids zooming around, you know. And if you if you produce anything even halfway decent on the, uh, you know, turn of a coin uh, like that, then everybody's happy, you know. Your guests are happy because they're like, oh, that was actually pretty nice. You're happy because you're like, oh, I didn't even worry about tidying because they were already here. Perfect. So one of the chapters in this book is called Stay for Lunch and it's got just recipes that will take you 20 minutes to make um, with general like common pantry items. I just love to say pantry items. It's one of my favourite phrases. <laughs> um, and so that's one of the ideas. Okay. Another idea, so every chapter in the book is an idea of how to cook for your friends that isn't a sort of three-course dinner nightmare. Right. And another one is how uh, have people over for breakfast. Cook a, cook a delicious breakfast, have them out the door by 11 and then, you know, you're on your way. Which is good too and means you can be in bed by 9pm. No problem exactly. at all. It's, it's not the danger end of the day See, I'm you. looking at – I'm reading Stay for Lunch while you're chatting. Yep. Of course, you're going to just be able to talk pretty much uninterrupted because I'm going to get completely absorbed in the book. Now, see, literally you could literally do this, I think, if people just walked in and wanted to stay because it's frozen peas, eggs, sour cream – Bit of lemon zest, bit of chili flakes, bit of olive oil, mint, and then pretty much whatever cheese is lying around. Yep, easy as. Yep. Uh, the other one that we've another idea we've got in the book is afternoon tea. Bring back afternoon tea, oh, like proper afternoon tea. I salute you. And the the great thing about afternoon tea is that you can like spend a bit of time making a cake that's like really lovely, or like a big sort of tray bake sort of a cake, or a slice or something like that, and just serve that. And cups of tea or, yep. you know, a glass of champagne or whatever because that way you've put a lot of energy into something but mm. you're not faffing about with a hundred different, you know, finger sandwiches and yeah. mini quiches and whatever. You're just doing one thing and doing it well, yep. which is kind of paring back on the anxiety of, of sort of full-scale entertaining. And also who doesn't love afternoon tea? Like, exactly. Everybody loves afternoon That's tea. True. Um, okay, so I've now flipped to that section, yeah. passion fruit curd meringue cake. You yeah. have served that to me and it was yeah. just beyond delicious. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you sieve out the seeds? From the yeah. Oh, yeah. I do because I don't love a crunchy uh, oh, bit in the passion fruit. Oh, so nothing. I've got a – yeah, with the passion fruit curd, I always sieve out the seeds. But like, others will differ. And so, you know, you, you it, it certainly looks lovely with the seeds in there. But do you know, um, you know how my favourite thing is looking at your recipes and going, well, you know what, I could do that and I could whack in a bit of blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. Yeah, you, <laughs> you should see her face, the, the look of hatred that she just <laughs> directed at me. Interfere. Just looking at that passion fruit curd meringue Need cake. some seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Be better with seeds, all it? over, all over the top. I think I would just open a fresh passion fruit and just tip it all yeah. over the top. This is why you're getting seeds. Mark Latham's cookbook for Christmas. <laughs> Excuse me, I've already got Mark Latham's cookbook. It's true, we've both got it because somebody <laughs> gave it to us as a joke, and I really hope they shoplifted it because I don't like the idea of proceeds going to either of those gentlemen. Oh man! Oh, you've Although, got a bunt cake. There's a smug bunt in here. Of course, there's a bunt. Cherry in there ricotta bunt cake. Love. That looks great. But the other thing that often makes people, I reckon, these days. Um, anxious about entertaining is because they reckon, oh, I'm going to – like, and I mean, people at our stage of life, I guess, who've got young children, you know, you invite six people that you really want to, like, have dinner with and then they come with, like, a dozen children. So, like, instead, basically you're putting on a kid's birthday party, you know. Yeah. So yeah. one genius idea that Wendy has had is invite 
people with kids to bring their kids and come at like adult dinner o'clock, like seven o'clock, feed their kids before they come. Oh, yeah. And then you provide a brilliant dessert for the kids. Oh, yeah. And so they bog in, eat the dessert, and then you set up a movie or something for them to do or entertain themselves in some way while grown-ups have dinner. It's a good way of sort of shed- scheduling things and it means you're not like running around doing like an extra kids m- kids uh, meal where you're going like, well, my kid doesn't eat anything except for, you know, yogurt. Perfect, and, yeah. You know, that sort of thing. That's an excellent idea. It is a good idea. Um, we've also got um, – oh, there's a chapter of things that you can make ahead, which is like really useful, I reckon, because oh, if, yeah. if, if all you have to do when people get there is just stick something in the oven, it's pretty great. Totally agree. Um, and also I like chopping up lots of little things and I having a heap of little do, bowls. Love. So the pre-prepping is good. Yeah. So and oh, then putting, what about this? Pudding club. Pudding Come, club. Hang on. Just because 9 p.m. is the best time to catch up. What? Yeah. So I guess I'm, I'm not, not saying every bit of this book is going to appeal to you. Guess I'm not going to be in your pudding club then. Oh, I might no, have to not. make an exception now that I've There's seen the photograph of, of the apricot to. cobbler. Yeah. Oh, you've <laughs> got crack in here. Yeah, got crack in there. <laughs> oh, that's the so crack. good. So with um the – what is the process by which you and Wendy, given that she lives in London, come up with the recipes? Well, we do about half each. Um, all the really good ones are Wendy's. Um, she's really like an incredibly innovative cook. Like she just experiments with weird different flavours and they just, they're the sort of things you read about and you go, really, Wendy, you think that's going to work? <laughs> like an example in the breakfast um, section. Is it the Vegemite mustard? Yeah, and- yeah I just <laughs> right. saw that before. So yeah. there's, there's crumpets <laughs> with a spread that is composed of Butter, Vegemite and mustard mashed up with like there's parsley or chives or something in there as well. As yeah, I, I saw it before and it certainly and did catch I just my said, eye. Like, that just sounds like a train accident, mate. Like it sounds hideous. But she stuck by her guns and she made it for me when we were shooting the cookbook and it's, oh, my God, off the charts delicious. Really? Like just insanely delicious, yeah. So it's actually – it's mostly – well, so 100 grams of unsalted butter, two, two teaspoons of Vegemite, four teaspoons of English mustard, and it's flat leaf parsley as the mm. herb. So is it – how much are you tasting the Vegemite? Is it mostly Oh, you taste, taste it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. It's just this sort of savouriness, a sort of umami, I guess. It's just, oh, my God, I'll make wow. it for you. It's okay. delicious. That sounds and good. The thing is, like, I find it impossible to dislike a crumpet. Is I don't any- think I've ever had a bad crumpet. Is there any – and we'll come back in a minute to how you um, and Wendy worked it out, but um, is there any tinned tuna in this book? I don't think there is, And allow actually. me to look in the index to see if capers appear. Oh, there's billions of capers, <laughs> mate. Everything that I make has capers in it. Okay, um, so you do half the recipes each. While you're at the index, just yeah. have a look because um, one of Wendy's geniuses is the novelty index. And um, last time we had an index of occasions, like where you could look up um, what the circumstances were. My friend is sick. I want to take something. Here's some things that are appropriate for that. Right. My friend is depressed. Do right. not take a depressed person a salad that has to be composed and eaten immediately because that depressed person will leave that salad in the fridge and every time she opens it, there'll be that salad going off and she'll feel even worse. So yes. take that person some nuts or something, you know. Uh, but um, this time... The, in, the specialty index is by dietary requirement, right? That's great. So if you've got, as uh, in modern in modern times you often do, uh, five people coming around, one's vegan, one's halal, one's, you know, pescatarian and one's a celiac person, 
then you can have a look at the back of the uh, book and find the recipes that will work for you or can be adapted for you. And there's another chapter about feasts, which is a bunch of dishes where you sort of put out a selection of stuff and you can grab what suits you in a dietary Oh, like sense. a like mm. a I saw you the other day on the Facebook group put some photos of a poke bowl up. Oh, the poke everyone bowl was... buffet, yes. Oh, that's Choose great. Your own adventure, which is very um, good because I think sometimes people who have, I mean, particularly celiac people or vegans can feel a bit lonely at a feast because they're like, well, here's what everyone else is having. You're having a carrot. Yeah. And it, I think knowing from my friends who are in that position, I think sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm being a pain because I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you've got, you know, a ton of options here that you can just look at and go, yep, you know what, I've got, like I'm just looking at the gluten-free section. Okay. There's at least – 50, if not more, recipes that can, are Yeah, you can adapt things as well. And in most of the recipes we've got like little um, hacks to make them either even easier or make them suitable for any of those dietary groups. And I think that um, sometimes it's nice for people who are in that situation, particularly vegans and celiacs who are often sort of, um, you know, the most intimidating guests to cook for if people are omnivores. Um Sometimes you can you can actually choose something quite imaginative that happens to be vegan and just give it to everybody. Yeah. And then that person for once doesn't feel like totally. the left out person. And like there's a great um Vietnamese dish called Bang Zhao, which um I've got a recipe for in there, which is this beautiful, crispy, sunny, golden pancake. And you look at it and you think, well, there's an egg in there or something, because it's bright yellow. But actually, it's made out of rice flour and coconut milk and turmeric. Oh, yum. It's a batter that you have to you, – you make it and then leave it for a little bit and then you, you fry it in the pan like a crepe and then you fold it over and fill it with like lots of herbs and bean sprouts and you can put tofu or prawns or egg or noodles or, you know, anything you want in there. It's colourful and crunchy and then the way you eat it is you slice it into slices, wrap it in lettuce leaves and dip it in that nook chum oh, sauce. Yum. My God, it's so delicious. And – it looks beautiful and it's people can kind of get into it and roll their own and, and everybody say, feels then it, kind then of it doesn't become like a um okay this is blah 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 um bob here's yeah. the vegan dish yes. you know um i notice as well like i often will um realize oh i've cooked a vegetarian meal without even thinking about yeah. it particularly because yeah. there's so many hearty things in community and yeah. family that we like um neighborhood that it's very easy to do. also i'm always really struck when i see your cookbooks at the quality of the photography yeah and the styling it, it's amazing who does that um, well, the um, photographer, uh, Rob, was uh, just like an f- absolute joy to work with over special delivery as well. We remembered him from last time and we were lucky enough to secure him again this time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's based in Sydney. Rob Palmer, his name is, and he's a um, he, this is what he does. Um, and we had uh, a really great team as well of um, like we had uh, someone helping with with just sort of preparing ingredients and stuff. It was like the most fun couple of weeks to shoot it. You've dropped in on one of these shoots. You know what it's like. It's oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, there is something about cooking your normal food and then having it kind of styled and then having it beautifully photographed, which is just like you feel like you're cheating a bit because you're like, oh, it's my normal gunji food, but it just looks unbelievably <laughs> it do- it amazing. Looks incredible, yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a really fun process. But like, it's amazing how light and background make an incredible oh. difference. Like, um, it's 
like some of the scenarios that have been photographed were actually like built with um, wallpaper and um, and kind of windows. And so it looks like the dish is sitting next to an open window with a like beautiful shrubbery outside <laughs> and actually um, – Actually, uh, Rob and our stylist, Vanessa Austin, built it kind of just for that shot with oh. perfect lighting and we borrowed all of these fabulous wallpapers from um, a designer called Emily Ziz who, you know, I want her to wallpaper my life. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's actually a real treat just to kind of see your food become oh, beautiful. It looks fantastic. This does skill. feel like cheating because I just think, well, at my house it still looks pretty gungy, but, you know. <laughs> the um, Yeah, but it all tastes good. The skill um, with that, I was thinking about it with um, because there was a magazine photo taken of me by a guy called Peter Brew Baker um, oh, yeah. for the Good Good Weekend um, just before my book came out. And your five-year-old, who's used to seeing me slop in looking like I look today, like the robber's dog, um, could not recognise it as me. I know, that's so funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like, Who is it? She's Who like, is, is it? it Gwen? And I'm like sort of posing like with the sort of, you know, come hithery sort of look, look. I'll give you a hint, Katie. And she's like, nah, still can't get it. <laughs> That's what, yeah. So your your food's the same. I'm like, hang on, I've never yeah. I've never seen that food ever before yeah. in my life. And you're like, yes, you have. I've served it to you last week. Um, that said, that awesome. when you cook it according to the directions, it will look that beautiful, right? <laughs> Still now, tastes good. Um, are you, if people want to come and see you and get a book signed and stuff, um, are yeah, you going to be I'm, schlepping around? The place? Yeah, I am uh, going all over. And how can fact. people find out about that? Look at the publisher's website um, or follow you on Twitter or something? Yeah, follow me on Twitter and I'll say where I'm going. Um, we're going to kind of like local bookstores and stuff around Australia. I think I'm, go- I'm going to um, Brisbane, lots of things in Sydney, uh, Melbourne, Hobart, Perth, Adelaide. I'm getting around. Um, speaking of Melbourne, reminds me we've got a live show in Melbourne in mid-November. I know, and November the 16th. It, the demand was so high, we've opened a second tier of seating, which is further from the stage, so we've dropped the price. Yeah. So, but um, the nosebleed seats. Yes. Bring a tinny. <laughs> exactly. To chuck at sales. So, so if people want to get tickets to that, do they go to our website or how do they actually just Google Chat Ten looks three Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, it's, just, um, yeah, it's Ticketek. It's Ticketek. Yeah, Ticketek handling yeah. it, and there's yeah, there's yep. there's, there's twenty five hundred, I think, twenty five bucks to just watch us bullshitting just, on stage. No, I, well, I mean, it's money well spent. What we should do is live cast our panic attack backstage every time where we go. Do people know that we just sit on stage and talk? Oh god, we suck. Um, but, now, uh, also, can I just say also that um, even if you are in the nosebleeds. <laughs> Hey, come along a bit early because we've got this pop-up bar happening, oh, yeah. um, which will be awesome. And uh, we've had a bit of a competition to name that uh, um, uh, over the last few weeks. And God, they are so funny, those suggestions. And we eventually went with an absolutely brilliant suggestion um, from, uh, who was it that suggested this one? Claire McKinnon, I think it was. The Barmaid's Tale. So good. <laughs> it just made me laugh so much. <laughs> so good. That was awesome. And thank you, everyone, because there was hundreds of um, suggestions. Hey, just uh, in a perfect stroke of um, timing for you to ensure that from about the middle of next week, every time I ring you, you'll be stress crying. Yeah. Um, you've managed simultaneously with launching your new cookbook to also launch a new television show. Yeah, I, I well, well played. Like that well played. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what's yes, the show? So what's it called? It's called Tomorrow Tonight. Look, I, I'm absurdly pleased with it, actually, because um, – I've never worked with Charlie Pickering before um, and, you know, he's a sort of 
big star. So I was thinking, I wonder if he's going to be one of these, you know, don't make eye contact, <laughs> like only contact me through my agent people. He's like just such a great guy. He's really lo- lovely, very genuine, super smart. And I've always liked his comedy because I think that he always tries to achieve a purpose. Like he just is a useful guy, I think. He's very smart and principled and very funny. Um, and the idea of this new show, when he rang me about it about a year ago, I'm like, that sounds amazing if it works and if it doesn't, <laughs> it would be a disaster because <laughs> it's just really complicated. So what's the premise? So the premise is each show, um, Charlie is, is the host, I'm the co-host, and um, we have three other people on a panel who are experts and a comedian. And we plunge them, well, I'm plunged too because Charlie knows what's going on and I don't really, um, into a scenario that is made up but not implausible, right? So um, most of them are about technological developments that suddenly uh, create all of these moral conundrums. Well, technology now exists to do X. Should we do X? Would you do X? Um, or um, or a geopolitical kind of situation arises. Right. And we create the scenario with all of these um, really lifelike-looking news um, inserts and packages and contributions from social media. It's like the thing is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And the story rolls along, and as it rolls along, more and more of these moral decisions come up to be made. And we're asking people on the panel who are actually experts in the field that, it's, that the story is involved with to – give us their opinion on what should now happen or what they would personally do. Or, and it's just been re- – we've made two now and it's just fascinating to see the way people's minds work and about how they change their minds as the story mutates and throws up a different sort and of conundrum. And is it an hour or half an it's hour? It's half an hour. Oh, yeah. wow. Actually, so it's really awesome. snappy. Yeah. But it's like – it's really good to watch the audience too because it's shot in front of a live audience and so um, – they kind of stumble out of there just thinking, oh, my God, like I'd never, you know, it's quite scary <laughs> I was going to say, is yeah. it disturbing? Like you come out feeling rattled? Well, it's interesting because some of the people who leave the audience have said that they thought that the news um, packages were real. Oh. Yeah. Like they were like, they, were they real or not? Is like, it going to be like a war, a war of the world style <laughs> I, scenario? Of, I don't um, think so because it's it's quite – Freak out the populace. You know, it's really funny as well. Like we, we've – it's quite a good balance because you learn a lot from it. Right. Um, and we've got some really interesting guests who I won't name because um, it might stop it from happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's funny too. So you, you can tell that it's an entertainment show. It's not kind of – it doesn't look like you've accidentally tuned into News 24 and this thing is actually happening. Um, but it's really good – it's a really good – brain exercise just for rehearsing in your mind how you would deal with these situations. Because I often think that we, over the course of our lives, we develop this sort of settled idea of, oh, yes, I'm pro this and I'm anti that. Oh, yes, of course I'm pro free speech. Or, yes, of course I'm, you know, pro um, individual freedom. But then when you get put into a situation where um, that attitude actually causes harm to someone or could be threatening um, to the population at large or could land you personally into a very awkward situation, that's when you have to rethink those assumptions and that's what we're asking people to do without notice live. And that sort sounds of, as great. It that sounds it's really, really engaging. My main sort of concern with the whole idea initially was like, well, you know, what if people don't, don't take it seriously? What if they just are sort of like – or what if they're too – 
shy to be honest about what actually they would do. And actually people have just slipped straight into it. You know, it's just, and they get very quickly engaged in the mental and moral gymnastics of what's going on. Yeah. Excellent. That it's going to be great, good. I think. Yeah. Um, right. Now, I think that uh, we might wrap it up. And, um, God, I just need you're to gonna... go and have a warm bath. We've been talking about me for half an hour with <laughs> a bit of you. Well, as payback, you're going to cook me some biscuits oh, now anyway. So. <laughs> Bye.